Hello and welcome to the Midweek Movie, the podcast extension of The Healing Place. This is the podcast where we examine the scriptures line by line, verse by verse, and we ask ourselves, what does this actually mean? And over the last several weeks, we've been talking about Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, and today we're continuing that conversation by talking about the first portion of that verse, and that is what Peter's declaration is about who Jesus is. He is the Christ. What is the implication of that? What does it mean? We're going to dive into that right here and right now. But first, I want to remind you guys, we want to hear from you guys. Email us, mediahub at teachmistreeport.com, and let us know how you walked out last week's challenge, which was to go out and ask the Lord, show me somebody, give me somebody to speak to, give me the boldness to speak to them. So let us know how that went for you guys. We want to celebrate with you. We want to encourage you. Mediahub at teachmistreeport.com. Let's go. So he says, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Now, why is that important, Mike? That statement, he could have said anything. Yeah. He could have said, well, prophet. He could have said rabbi because they knew him as rabbi. Mm-hmm. When he came to the boat and said, follow me, they spoke to him and said, rabbi. They didn't say Jesus, son of God. They didn't say savior. They didn't say Lord. They said rabbi because we know that he was a rabbi. He was a teacher. We also know that going all the way back to 12 years of age when he's in the temple teaching the teachers. Yes, and he's taught in the temple many times. That's right. And he's gone through all the schooling up to 12. We know he's been through all right. the different levels of when when were you chosen to become apprentice for rabbi? Well, yeah. that school began at 12. And he's teaching the teachers. We know that he went on to 16. When were you chosen as a as an assistant to a rabbi? At 16. What did the rabbi say to you hmm. to become an apprentice? Follow me. Right? Follow me. Rabbi turns, the dust of his feet cover you, you follow him, and you apprentice for 14 years, and then at 30, you begin your public speaking. Well, at 30, he's walking up to a boat going, follow me, Rabbi. They know him, they recognize him, but he's not the Son of God. He's not the Savior, he's not the Lord, but yet they drop everything and follow him. Because, not because he's Savior and Lord, but because he says the words that they've been wanting to hear since they were 16 years old that they didn't get to hear because they didn't get to go to school at 12, because they weren't worthy. If you weren't worthy at 12 to that's be an right. apprentice... They were dropouts. That's right. And when you were a dropout and you didn't go to the next level of school, what'd you do? You went back to the occupation of your father. That's why they're on a fishing boat. Yeah. And here they are, these young men, but years have gone by, and they've wanted to hear, come follow me, and here comes a rabbi, and what's he say? Yeah. Come follow me. Boom, we drop everything, we come. But in this context now... He's not saying rabbi. He's saying, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. What's the impact of that statement? Well, first of all, I mean, it tells us what the impact of the statement is, right? The impact of the statement does something, not just... not Obviously, Jesus wasn't looking for answers, Right, he wasn't. He wasn't. He wasn't doing this. I could say. I mean, it's. We know this, but it's good sometimes to remember where Jesus is coming from. He's not saying, guys. I wonder what people are saying about me. Because usually, when we say that, we really do wonder, and we're paranoid. 
Yeah, we're fishing for information. (laughs) He is not doing that. (laughs) If there's one person in the world who didn't care what people were saying, it was Jesus, right? (laughs) That's right. So I wanted to say that because we we sometimes forget, right, uh, that that we have a tendency to kind of put our mindset on Jesus without even—I mean, if I say that out loud, everyone goes, no, no, no. But it's very easy to do that, right? We can make Jesus— kind of our own Jesus up here. Son of man. That's right. <laughs> and and Jesus is after something bigger. Yep. And and it's why the Pharisees can't give it to him. It's why tradition can't give it to him. And it's interesting, you know, we were talking and I'm just I'll segue for a second. because uh, I just did a teaching on on the fig tree being cursed and we know that the fig tree represents both Israel and it represents the temple. So as Jesus says to the fig tree on his way down the hill to go into the temple and cleanse it, before he gets there, he walks up to a fig tree, and it says this, uh, it wasn't the season for figs, but there's leaves on the tree, but it wasn't the season. So it seems almost unfair that a Jewish guy at his age, who knows, I mean, I grew up in Seattle, and so we have apple trees everywhere. Uh, By the time I was 10, I knew whether or not a tree had apples on it, because I know exactly the time apples start showing up. Right, right. the leaves show up and they get ready, but I wouldn't have been tricked. Jesus was not tricked. That's right. He's he's trying to do what he always does, which is to create visuals for them and for us because they're easy to remember. And so he doesn't actually curse the tree. They the the scripture says that he just speaks to it and says, you know something, nobody's ever going to eat fr- fruit from you again. And he's literally speaking about the old covenant. This thing is drying up, even as I speak. And he goes into the temple, and he, he cleanses it, right? And then he comes back with his disciples, and then they realize, because they didn't realize when he said, spoke to the tree much. No, 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 and that's another right. random event, because there is no real quote-unquote purpose in it. It's just randomly he's walking by, boom, you're <laughs> yeah, not going right. to do this. Because we also know the fig tree goes all the way back to original sin. Yeah, absolutely. Because it wasn't an apple they partake of. Right. And they didn't cover themselves right. with apple leaves. It was That's fig right. leaves. It's a fig leaf, yeah. And so he's he's on his way to take upon all the original sin upon yeah. himself. And he speaks that, quote-unquote, randomly, just like randomly their incessory of Phil apply. It's, right. not, it's not random And then when they come back... They get the aha moment. That's Peter right. and the guys go, oh, oh my gosh. That's right. This tree is completely withered and yep. cursed. And, you know, because you know, they saw Jesus do a lot of stuff. That's right. So talking to a tree, they probably didn't even pay attention. Not the first. craziest thing. But it did, do. it did, it, they did remember it. And then Jesus is able to then teach them something. Yep. This example of Jesus again taking them somewhere and, and, they are taken there because we all need to be taken there. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's why these stories are here. They're not; they are the stories of God and yep. the stories of man. And man and God collide all through the Bible, and we get to see ourselves, you know, walking through that and understanding that all of us have to go through this whole process. And I like this because he says to these guys, "Who do people say that I am?" But he doesn't really care. He wants to know if they're thinking like the people who have got caught up in natural thinking or been caught up in religious thinking because the Pharisees had a lot of power over how people thought. You know, there's still Pharisees today. So people, 
people control religion. Yep. Right? And, and if it happened then, it happens now, same spirit. Sure. But he wants them to see themselves differently, and he thinks they're there. You know, he's got to know they're there. He is who he is. But just because he knows that they're there doesn't mean they know. And, and when he says that to Peter, and Peter responds with a beautiful doctrinal statement, yep. it's the new doctrine. Yep, it's right? the new covenant. It's the new covenant. And, and he says something that, and now I'm just saying this, I don't know for sure, but it must have made Jesus smile. Because, you know, he's dealing with human beings, and he's not getting cynical. He's not getting frustrated. He's so patient, so kind, because love is patient. Love is kind. Yeah. It's got to be rough. I mean, you're dealing with people walking around with 100 IQ, and you don't even have an IQ, right? I mean, I mean it's I'm, I'm even wondering, again, I'm wondering, okay? Yeah. So I'm not, I'm wondering, do the, does Peter make this declaration in the temple? Would he? Mm. Yeah. Or does that was it too big? Would it blind you? In the you? holy place. Does it is it because now I'm saying it in front of all these. Like I'm making a statement in the holy place that I've been taught would be blasphemous. Hmm. He had been taught that it would have been blasphemous for him to call Jesus the Son of God in the temple. Hmm. But here he is in an unfamiliar place, an evil place he's not even supposed to be at. Does the apprehension of where he's at now lead him towards if he's not the son of God, we're in trouble? Yeah, just like how I got saved. Right. If, and it wasn't raised in church. I wasn't raised in the temple. Right. I just got to the place where I, I wrote a little poem one time about the night I was converted a month before I turned 20. And basically one little line in it said, um, after the parties were all over, right? Because there comes a time, that shows oh, how yeah. late it was. Sure. I sat up in bed suddenly sober, and I cried out to God, if you're really there, yep. I need to know. I didn't believe at all. Yeah. My mom had get, became a Christian a year and a half before that, gone through a divorce, you know, the whole thing, and found a, and kind of found a man. And this man had been left by his wife, who had cheated on him with his best friend. And, they, and he was a Christian, and they were supposedly Christians. And so he was a broken man. And he meets my wife, a broken woman, takes her to church. She gets saved. He rededicates his life. And this is all happening in real time while they're living now together as this new married couple. And I'm now 17, right? And I'm just like, you know, and I'm just smoking pot and going to parties. And, and by the time I'm 19, I needed something. Everything was falling apart in my life. So I sat up in bed. I don't know how I was suddenly sober. Yeah, sure. God can do that, right? Yeah, right. And I remember that I just asked. Now, I didn't expect to hear anything. Right. I was just kind of talking to myself. And all of a sudden, I hear this voice, not out here, not a vision. I probably could have passed that off as right. the drugs, you know? Sure. But I heard it in here so deep, so quiet, so still, and so loud, yep. all at the same time. And I just heard, I am real. Yeah. Later on, of course, as I studied the Bible, I realized he's the great I am. Yep. Uh, later on, of course, I described this to my mom. I got up in the morning. And this gets sidetracked a little bit, but I got up in the morning. I'm getting flashbacks of my salvation right now. <laughs> I got up in the morning. This is how little I knew. I knew nothing. Yeah. I just knew now God was real, and I'd asked him to come into my life. I, I prayed some prayer. I wasn't even a good one, but I knew a little. My mom had told me, you know, if you ever call out on Jesus, 
right? Yeah. He'll save you. So I knew a little teeny bit. That was it, though. Yeah, right. And I just started reading the Bible because she had told me, you should read the Bible, Mike, which is the greatest. I read the Sermon on the Mount was the first thing I read, and stuff started jumping off the page. Oh, yeah. Right? I mean, quit, I, you know, I don't get into arguments about you know, the latest archaeological find or you know, Genesis 1, 2, and 3 too much. I mean, I get all that stuff from apologetics. All that stuff's real. But the authenticity of the Bible came to me with, I, this is truth. I've never, I was almost 20. Yep. So I'd read, I was a well-read kid. I mean, I, my, I'd read philosophy by that time. You know, sure. I'd been out of high school for a couple of years. My parents were educated people. And this, it just became so real. And I remember telling my mom in the morning with, because it was a Friday night party. So Saturday they were there and I was having breakfast with Dawn. They're both in heaven now. And uh, Dawn and my mom, and they're sitting there, and I get up and I said, hey, last night I prayed and asked Jesus to come into my life. And of course they were just like, this is <laughs> awesome, right? They were so excited. <laughs> Obviously been praying for me. And I said, but I don't, I wanted to t run this by you. I said, um, it, it felt like, see, I've, I know nothing. Right. It felt like he came like into my heart, and I'm doing this to him, like, like I mean like he's in me. And, and I was like, I don't know if that's real, if that's okay, if that's right, if that's true. I knew nothing. Yeah. And they're just going, no, 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 that, that's it. That's yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. And, and they, for the first time ever, my first couple hours of being a Christian, they told me something. God no longer dwells in tabernacles and tents and buildings made by man. Mm -hmm. But Mike, he dwells in you. You are his temple. Yep. That's the first doctrine ever preached to me mm. within moments of waking up as a new believer. Yep. And here we are. And here they are. I mean, it's like, and God brought you to that moment. He gave me a revelation. He brought you Flesh to that moment. Flesh and blood could not have revealed that to me. Who do you say that I am? And you, although you started off with, well, if you are. If you are. But the Lord... Not only does the Lord say, if you will do this or if this, he's also not afraid. It's actually one of his lead-ins for people oh. to be brought to a place of decision to say, hey, if you are. Here's the thought I had, which now looking back 41 years ago, almost 42 years ago, you know, pastor, theologian, I mean, I'm, now I know everything, right? <laughs> you know? But then I knew nothing except for him. And when he revealed himself to me, it was a revealing. Yep. Flesh and blood could not have revealed that to Mike. Yep. Right? I was too cynical. I didn't believe. I considered myself an atheist. I didn't argue with Christians and stuff like that because I didn't know any. Yep. I grew up in Seattle. There was like zero Christians. I knew nothing. But I remember having this thought when he revealed himself to me. I had this exact thought, and it must have been the Holy Spirit beginning to just, to just breathe on me. I had this thought, well, if you're real, that must mean the devil's real. I just had that kind of like logical thought. Right. I surely didn't believe in the devil, let alone right. God. Right. And all of a sudden, I'm, I'm starting to get spiritual discernment. Yep. If you're real, and I just had this thought, that must have just been God kind of just going, okay, now, let me feed you. And I said, if, that's, if heaven's real, that must mean hell is real. Nobody talked to me about heaven and hell, so it wasn't like I had that in me. Right. And I said, I don't want that. I want you. And my mom had told me how to pray one day if I ever wanted to ask Jesus into my life. And I just did that. I did kind of, you know, I need you to come into my life and be yep. Lord of my life. Yep. And that's when I felt 
which was an odd thing because I didn't expect anything, right? Sure. Didn't expect the voice. Right. Didn't expect the... And that's when I just felt this into me. And I remember just like... And, and then I just went to sleep and woke up the next morning and shared my... I didn't know you're supposed to share your faith. Of course I didn't. I didn't know anything. I knew yep. Sermon on the Mount, period. Right? And that, that was the experience. And Jesus is, is wanting his disciples to get that. They all which, have to... which we know in verse 17, where he says, Blessed are you, Simon Berjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this yeah. to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Mm. He's like, look, you. to me... I, I, let me cut you first. I hate to cut people off because it's rude, but it just hit me. Because he wanted Peter to get... He, Peter said something so brilliant. He gave shape to it. So the thought you just had, don't make the mistake of thinking that's a thought that you just had on your own. Right, right. That came from Jehovah. Yeah. The God you grew up with. Because the leaven of the Pharisees would be to question what you just said. Yeah. Your own declaration. That's how the enemy works. It's like, well, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Here's the beauty. Well, that was just me. What you just said, every Christian whether they've been a day old or a hundred years old in Christ, knows what you just said is true. Whenever oh, sure. you have a declaration, oh, man. that's what doubt and that's right. cynicism... And oh, this, that was just you. Yeah, you got caught up in the moment. Yeah, that happens all of a sudden. The pastor falls in some sin. That happens, yeah, yeah, and then yeah, this, yeah. a TV show comes on that comes... Yep. Right? It always happens. And the ability to go, no, that, that is from God. Don't let anybody ever take that from you. Yep. It's not even from you. I knew it wasn't for me, because I didn't believe. Yep. And all of a sudden, I believed. All right, all right, I'm sorry. So really where we land in this conversation is, man, the Lord revealing Himself, right? Revealing Himself, not just to those who believe, but to those who do not believe. You know, you heard Mike talk about, you know, he wasn't a believer, really wasn't sure where his belief system landed, but he really wasn't a believer, I was like, well, if you are, like, if you are, Lord, you know, God's not afraid of our questions. He really isn't. He's not afraid of, you know, the one thing that the Lord is not um, keen to is when we start demanding things from Him. It's not like it hurts His feelings or anything, but it's also not like He goes, oh, they're demanding something. I've got to run because I love them so much. I need to do that right now. That's not the Lord. And I think that for us, the key lesson we need to learn here is that we need to have the boldness and the belief to be able to ask. You know, Jesus was clear, ask, seek, and knock. And if you ask, oh, well, if you ask in the will of God, what's going to happen? Well, it will be given to you. If you seek, you know, with a pure heart, what's going to happen? You're going to find. If you knock, what's going to happen? The door will be open. And so I'm going to encourage you this week. Uh, be bold this week. Be bold. You know, be bold with your questions. Be bold with your declarations to the Lord and ask, ask. Now, don't go in your closet and be like, all right, Lord, man, I want this Corvette. Listen, I said in his will, right? Come into alignment with his will, his heart, right? Your heart with his heart. Ask, seek. Man, Lord, if, if, if you're really in this, show me this, reveal yourself. And then knock. 
What does knocking look like? Well, sometimes knocking looks like nothing but sitting in the floor and listening. Because basically you're making yourself available to hear from the Lord. In a spiritual sense, you're knocking on the door. So this week, ask, seek, and knock that the Lord would reveal himself to you in some deeper way. Hey, God bless you guys. Talk to you next time.